oh yeah. And that got me kicked to the side of the road with my thumb out. Like my knee had, my knee had, my tolerance for pain is pretty high. And I have never felt something like that in my knees before. I finally got to a point where I just called Diggins back and I was like, we're just going to sit at this corner of this county road. I put my hood up. I leaned against my backpack and I had to poke at that time. So I like put my leg up on the sled and I had Diggins crawl between my legs and snuggle up. I put my hood up and I just sat there. And I was like devastated because it was day six, right? And I just, I wasn't listening to my body at all. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast, where we pull up a seat at the campfire and have a conversation about all things through hiking. I'm Erin Egan, and today's guest is Emily on trail, known off trail as Emily Ford. With her trusty companion Diggins, she just finished a winter hike on the Ice Age Trail. It started out as a way to get her hike on without leaving her job, but became so much bigger as people began to follow her journey. In this episode, we talk about that crazy, beautiful adventure. Advice for any future Ice Age Trail winter hikers, the documentary being done about her hike called Breaking Trail, and just how loud nature can be. You can find this episode at hiking-through.com, as well as on our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Emily on Trail. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> we were, I had to, I had to stop us there for a moment because we were just about to get into, I was going to um, basically, I guess, fangirl all over you being out there in the middle of freaking winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a good time. Maybe it wasn't a good time. And I just remember the good parts only. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think that seems to happen for most people out on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a pregnancy brain, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> It's what gets people out there over and over again. I know, truly, actually, I think so. How, like, I know this is sort of like the elephant in the room, but I just think of myself when I'm in really freaking cold weather and I'm freezing, like my hands, everything is freezing. And yet I'm sitting there, I was literally watching, I was glued, honestly, to your Instagram stories as you would post. And I'm sitting there watching you with your bare hands and all of that. And I'm just like, how is she doing that? Like, yeah. How? Well, there were repercussions. Oh, okay. There are definitely repercussions for me doing that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. I would do my best not to keep my bare hands out. I've, you know, that's a lesson. I think that, you know, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, if you live in, if you live somewhere cold, right like your parents would generally like bundle you up pretty much. You know, so I grew up in the nineties, right? It's so like your parents would bundle you up and then like kick you out to the bus stop, no matter what the weather mm-hmm. was. They're like, well, the bus will be there soonish. Right. <laughs> and they'd be like, get out of us. Yeah. So, you know, you never want to really have your hands um, completely out, but like with phones and stuff, you can't like really do much. Like the, just, just like the dexterity is not there with gloves and stuff. So that was that, but yeah, I tried to not let my hands be bare, but um, my fingertips are still pretty numb. And now I have the case where, um, 
like when, when it gets cold outside, my body refuses to send blood to like my index and my middle finger on my right hand. So they just kind of turn white. And I was like, all right, well, I guess we don't need those fingers for the rest of the day, you know? So, and my toes are still a little numb, but they're coming back. It'll be, it'll be summer soon enough. And hopefully the blood vessels will heal and open up again. That's my hope. But yeah. So it, it sounds like the hike was not without its casualties. All right. Yeah. But like, you know, like what good is, what good is a, a backpacking trip without something, right? You know what True. I mean? <laughs> who, who, if, if people are going out there and they're like, yeah, I went, I went in the back country and it was perfect and nothing bad happened. Like that's dumb. Then you did, you probably <laughs> didn't do anything. You probably helicoptered in and then helicoptered out every night <laughs> and got to stay in a bougie hotel. <laughs> you, know? you really have a backpacking adventure. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's all right. Well, I guess to to introduce everybody to what you did, if they have not, if they had not been following along, you basically just completed the Ice Age Trail, which yeah. seemed very appropriate for this time of year. Yes, I guess. Well, you know, like when you don't have, because so what I do for profession is I'm a professional gardener here in Duluth. And like our season is not very long, right? Mm-hmm. So June is when you can really start kicking out things. And then like, even sometimes before November, like sometimes by October, I have stuff wrapped up. So like, we just have that very small window and like, you're just going gangbusters all day long. There's really not time for me to step away from the garden and like go on a substantial backpacking trip. So winter it is. (laughs) Is that kind of where this started? Yeah. You know, like that's, that's how this trip got started was like, and the trip, when I did the spear hiking trail, I like, stepped away from work, but it was in the fall. And I had some really rocking employees at the time who had been there for a while and I could, they could kind of take over. But this got started because I was looking for, you know, a thousand miles or more to do in the winter time uh, because I have that time off. And I was like, I finally want to get a thousand miles under my belt, you know, kind of like, it's not like the gateway, right? I'd say like the gateway would be like a three-part weekend, right? That's like the gateway, yeah. you know, like long enough out there. I feel like the thousand miles is like the gateway to like, I don't know. I want to say like 10,000 miles, but it's a bit absurd. Maybe like 5,000 miles. I don't know. Something ridiculous. Do you have a desire to hike the longer trails at this point? Or is it just sort of dependent upon your work? I mean, I would love to, right? So like as soon as I got off of the Ice Age Trail, um, the Appalachian was just getting started. Mm -hmm. I think people left like maybe the second week in March to get started on on the Appalachian. And I was like, man <laughs> if i could only just do that but yeah it's it's really going to depend on on work and who i have working for me and can they take over can i you know can i sneak away because now we're talking four five six months right yeah we're not just talking a quick little like two and a half month or you know mm-hmm. so but i mean i would love to but i think my niche might be like i've been thinking about this like <laughs> maybe I'll just like do some like unsung hero trails instead of like trying to get, you know, all these crazy, crazy trails. And cause I feel like there's a bunch of really cool trails out there that just like, aren't the Starbucks, right. Of the, True. of the hiking world. Yeah. You know? And if you do more winter trails, you can certainly uh, have your pick basically. Yes. Pretty much. You can be the first of everything. 
<laughs> I suppose <laughs> I like going after somebody just, you know, cause like Mike Summers did the trail before I did. So like, you yeah. know, he survived. And if he survived, I was like, ah, I can do it too. It's fine. <laughs> did you, were you able to pick his brain? No, I, I could not find him. Ah. So allegedly he's changes. He's changes. Somebody got a hold of him, and I had a different interview. I mean, you told me he like really has changed his whole lifestyle and kind of have hopped off, has hopped off the trail and is choosing a bit quieter of a life, which is really cool. Um, which is the reason why I couldn't find him anywhere. I saw mm-hmm. one blog from him and that was after he completed the trail and then poof, he disappeared. I was really bummed. Cause I was like, who else are you going to ask questions to? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the guy that like did it before you, you know? And there's probably, I mean, if any through hike, there's a lot of questions to ask, but particularly one like this, where there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could go wrong and there's right. a lot of uniqueness to this endeavor. Right. Yes. Lots of room for error. Yes. Well, maybe not error. Or little like, room for error. <laughs> so, well, yes. A <laughs> uh, little room for error, but lots of um, opportunities for error. Maybe we'll say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And our winters here are so unpredictable because they really vary from year to year. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year around here, we got like two feet of snow before Thanksgiving, all in one push between two and three feet of snow plus snow drifts. So like, or it was windy. So we got a bunch of snow drifts. So in this year, we didn't get anything like that. You know, we maybe got like a foot of snow, but in Minnesota, that's not that big of a deal. We have a really great plow system. So, but then this year we, it wasn't anything. It was potatoes, you know? So you never know some winters, the, the polar vortex, you know, comes for three days and sometimes the polar vortex comes for you know three weeks and this year it was two and a half weeks so i take it you didn't get hit were you still on the trail by that massive storm that hit uh texas and all of that well so wisconsin did get that storm but it it's not unusual right right so for texas that's a big deal if that were to happen to us we'd be like huh okay (laughs) Like, you know, when we get like iced over power lines, we, in Minnesota, especially things really start to kick down when we get iced over power lines. So that's the biggest deal when it's rains and then snows. Um, but yeah, when that happened, when I was in Wisconsin, I think maybe they had gotten eight inches of snow plus some wind. Okay. So not anything spectacular even. It was beautiful, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is something to be said about being out there. Like you're so alone that it's so quiet. There's just the crunch of the snow and there's the sun on the snow. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. And you realize this is so funny because people are always like, isn't it just so quiet out there? And I'm like, gosh, darn it. Nature is so loud. (laughs) Like I tell you, like if it's not the snow crunching underneath your feet, if you're hiking out of the season, it's the leaves under your feet. At nighttime, you're going to bed. Guess who's waking up? The owls, the coyotes, the mice, the wolves. Like everybody else is waking up at that time. You know, the foxes are out sniffing around. Like you're the only thing going to bed out in nature. You know, you and the deer, maybe. You know, everything else is waking up and pepping to go to go hunt. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just like, nature is stinking loud. <laughs> It's just not like, you know, the freeways. <laughs> loud. It was a different kind of, kind of noise. <laughs> yeah. And I love it because then every, then everybody does go to sleep, you know, 
I don't know if nothing's really awake after, you know, 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then they switch over to the morning animals, but I love it. It's fun. It's a whole different rhythm, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. No, no lights, you know, just the moon, whatever, kind of dictating how you feel. I like that. And I would think, not that you would want to be out there in the middle of the night because it is freaking cold, but I can only imagine what it must look like out there because it's probably pretty clear. So you've got all of this, the stars out there, the Milky Way, like everything. Yeah. Well, there, well, there would be some nights where we just, you know, hike until we pretty much dropped. So it'd be like hiking into the, you know, hiking you know, in the nighttime because Dickens was really good at finding the trail, even at nighttime, which was super awesome. I mean, we had blazes to look at too, but it would help me, you know, not have to focus so hard on where the blazes were. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. I, there's just nothing like hiking at nighttime. I love it so much because you don't realize how not dark it is. Right. So if you're, you know, if you're anywhere in the lunar cycle where the moon is at half or more, it's pretty stinking bright if it's not cloudy outside and then it reflects off the snow. So it's just like, well, someone just put you in a light box. (laughs) It's awesome. You just need your photographer out there taking pictures. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Speaking of Diggins, how did you end up choosing her as your trail companion as opposed to a different dog or a different, even one of the sled dogs that, that the farm had? Right. Well, A, Sherry was the only one to respond to my Facebook post. Okay. So that really limited it probably from like a million dogs to 20 dogs. <laughs> um, and she had just gotten Diggins um, and her girls, her, her, Sherry's kids are the ones who race. Um, since COVID was around, there weren't so many races. Um, and so they weren't really going to train with Diggins as much. So she was like, if you want, you know, she was two years, you know, she's a, she was a two-year-old, you know, almost three-year-old when I got her, mm-hmm. um, very spry and whatever. And she's a lead dog that also helps because she'll listen oh, nice. a little bit better, um, and knows her lefts and her rights and so on and so forth. And then we met and it was just like love at first sight. It was like a, like it could have been a slow motion. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Like she came into my lap and like put, showed me her belly right away. So I scratched her belly and then that was, it was done. That was it. Yeah. You know, Sherry had other dogs for me to choose from. So maybe uh, more of like retired dogs that mm-hmm. were out, you know, they retire not at an old, old age at a medium ish age. Um, but I'm glad I took a really young one, even though we weren't pulling, you know, she wasn't pulling a sled, you know, for these many miles uh, all day long you know, walking maybe is seemingly not a very, uh, what, <laughs> not a very like, <laughs> uh, tough sport, I guess, but when you're doing it through the deep snow, it will wear, you know, it wears on your body. So I'm glad I got a young dog. Yeah. Like Cause that. she was breaking trail for you as well, to some extent. <laughs> I tried to have her gun behind me and she would hate it. She would walk so close to my heels. I would end up kicking her in the head and she just like, wouldn't, she wouldn't care that I was kicking her in the head. And she would just wait for me to let her pass. And I was just like, okay, whatever, fine. You go, you go ahead. And sometimes the snow would be like up to her shoulders, you know, mm-hmm. and she would just keep plowing through. It was ridiculous. She's a monster. She is a, she's not very big. She weighs about 40, 45 pounds. She's real small, but she's a monster. Ridiculous. Yeah. It was really cool. Cause I was like, so she's named after Jesse Diggins, which is, um, she's a cross country ski animal uh, from Minnesota. 
And it like the name Diggins was so fitting for my Diggins because she was just like, she's a monster that could just go forever. Happily, like happily. She's Husky, right? She's Alaskan. Yep. Yeah. So she was, she was built for that, so to speak. Yes. Right. And I guess that's what you also get when you get a lead dog. Like she wants to be out in front and. Yes. And pull the team. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I I don't, I don't, I've only worked with a handful of sled dogs, but I know that when some sled dogs get sick of doing what they're doing, they will just stop. Mm -hmm. And she, she rarely, I don't know if she ever really stopped and like didn't want to go. And that was really cool. It really made it a lot easier on me mentally to make, you know, to know that she wasn't in that much stress. Right. That if she wasn't enjoying it, she would have let you know. Oh, she would have let me know. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) She would have had no problem letting me know. (laughs) I love that you guys have uh, a language, so to speak, between you. Yes. After so many days, 69 days together. 69 days. (laughs) And like, not just like days, like all day, all night. 69, 24 hours together is what I would maybe be better to put it as like, think of COVID, right? Like, I don't know if you live with somebody, but like, that was like the ultimate lockdown, right? Like not only <laughs> yeah. are we together, but we are tied together. Like think of being tied to the person that you live with every, like physically by a 10 foot line, every single day of your life. Yeah. It's, it's a version of a small apartment that just yes. travels with you. <laughs> yes. And you have to set it up every single night. That's pretty much right. <laughs> How many days did you actually end up sleeping outside versus finding someplace to stay? I still have not done the math, which I'm two weeks out from my trip and I should have done the math by now, but I still haven't. I wish, I think I wish I would have stayed out more than I did. But again, you know, we're two weeks post and I'm seeing it with rosy colored glasses. Mm-hmm. And any night that I stayed inside, I had very delicate reasons as to why I would stay inside. So I don't know. Yeah. I saw I there were, you had a picture of a therm uh of a thermometer that was yes. like in the not even zero, but below zero in the negative Fahrenheit. Yes. And that thermometer lied to me all the time. It was a, it was a cheeky liar. I think it was off by like seven to 10 degrees warmer. So it would tell me that it was negative 10 out and it was actually negative 20. Cheeky, cheeky, (laughs) but it was only four bucks. So, I mean, really, what can I say? I think, I think the plastic shifted inside of it. So that's, that's fine. Right. But when you're talking those type of temperatures, I mean, I know because I kind of looked at uh, or listened to your videos and and whatever about your setup to go out there. Um, But even as good as that setup was like, there's, there's a limit to what it can do for you. Oh, absolutely. And there's definitely, so here's the other thing. So like when, so a lot of people are like, Oh, what's one of the things that you learned the most from this trip. Right. And one of the biggest things is to like, just let my ego, like kick mm-hmm. it out the window. Right. Because at the end of the day, like my, I'm a very smart, capable, brave woman. Right. So those things I know, but that doesn't mean I have to let my ego make me stupid and <laughs> like make poor choices and, you know, make me feel like I need to be the Hulk. Right. So, you know, so my bag is negative 30, but at negative 30 is like when 
you are in survival mode and you feel that negative 30. And that means also I have a dog sleeping out in a negative 30 and the windshield was in the negative 40s, 50s. So it's not like, you know, whatever, you know, it's kind of in those situations. So there's definitely is a limit, but there's also a limited space in my bag, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I'm sure I could have paid more money for like a negative 50 bag. I don't think I had the money at the time. <laughs> so I didn't, <laughs> you know, so imagine how much that would cost. Right. Like there's definitely way better gear out there. There's different setups and stuff like that, but knowing your limits. And also I had an inkling, you know, that this trail, oh, I saw that it went through so many towns. So, you know, if I was in trouble, you know, I could at least knock on someone's door and say, Hey, can I stay in your garage? Or, you know, even staying next to a building is warmer than staying out in the middle of the forest. So, you know, yeah, that's that. Well, and you, because I know a lot of people would probably say, well, did Diggins sleep with you? (laughs) (laughs) No, she did not. Only she slept in the tent, but not in my sleeping bag. She was wet all of the time because she would roll in the snow. She would sweat. You know, she would sleep in the, she curls up in the snow. I do not need a wet dog in my sleeping bag. If it were dire circumstances, because I'm sure there's lots of dog lovers that live listen to your podcast. (laughs) If it's dire circumstances, right, um, and for some reason I didn't catch hold of the weather and it got too cold, absolutely, I'm not going to let a dog freeze out, you know, in whatever weather. Mm-hmm. But on, I'm not going to let her sleep with me every single night. No way, man. Yeah. She's a husky. <laughs> Come on. Well, and that was because I, I was, I was looking at like you had a number of pictures of your like when you were setting up camp and stuff like that, and. Uh, you know, you're setting up camp and that kind of thing. And she's kind of curled up on the snow yes. and I'm just like, she's built for it. Yes. It's just, it's crazy impressive. Well, and, and so her body temperature is so high that when I would remove the tent, when there was just, you know, cause I kicked the snow away, you could, there would be a brown spot in the, in the earth because she melted all the snow away at nighttime because she's just, she's just so warm. So you know? that is the secret, their secret recipe is that their body heat is just that much higher. There must be. And in the way that they're the layers of their fur, you know, insulate mm-hmm. their bodies. It's crazy. And so I've, I've been out dog sledding with a company called winter green in the boundary waters here in Minnesota. You can't tell that I'm pointing North <laughs> <laughs> just over there. Um, and every time we wake up in the morning, all the dogs would just have these Brown spots. Um, in the ground because they just melted all the snow underneath it. And we wouldn't kick the snow away from them. They would just melt it all down at nighttime. They're amazing. Huskies are phenomenal dogs. Yeah. I would not buy it as a house dog. I would not buy a husky as a house dog ever. Um, but they're great working animals. Yeah. And she was a good companion for you out there. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. She was. I've been, I've been referring to her as my Wilson, if you remember Castaway. Yeah. The film Castaway. Oh yeah. She was definitely my Wilson. She got to hear all of my commentary. I would just, <laughs> I wish doesn't women care that I look like a crazy woman talking. I would just talk to her all day long. I didn't even care. <laughs> Whatever. What pushed you out there? What, what made you decide to do it other than this was the time in your schedule that you had? Uh, not much else. Like literally, like I, I, I just like, I just like backpacking. You know, like, I don't know. I know, like, I, I, I know people like I've, I've gotten the feeling that people like want this grandiose answer, mm-hmm. but like, literally, I just, I just like backpacking. 
there's a there's a rhythm to the lifestyle on the trail so you just it's nice and then again it, it conspired into this conspired uh i mean it became this thing after after the decision had already been made it be, it, it didn't become emily on trail until you know later down <laughs> the line you know <laughs> it you know really truly what was it originally going to be just you doing the the trail with Jiggins and and yeah. enjoying the experience and then well yeah and I, I made the Instagram mostly because uh uh just keep pictures for myself and just have the memories you know and like you know I knew it would link to my Facebook account and mm-hmm. that's that and you know so my family could keep up on it my partner and I have there's a bunch of people I know that don't use Facebook anymore and they only use Instagram that I knew would want to follow along so that's I was like Cool. This is we'll do. We'll do this, and that was that. And then it exploded, and, and I didn't realize it was exploding until I don't think it really hit me until after I got home, because also before I left, like I did start the mantra of like I believe that anybody should be able to be outside, right? Anybody should mm-hmm. feel comfortable outside, and you all deserve to be outside. So that mantra started before I left. But like, whatever, right? We've all. <laughs> We've all, you know, encouraged people, you know, with just a couple hundred followers and like, because you, you want to be encouraging, you know, it's not like there's no recipe to what happened. It's a chocolate chip happenstance, chocolate chip cookie happenstance. They were made by mistake and they were fantastic. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was interesting because I mean, you were posting, it's mostly in your stories, which have kind of disappeared for the purposes of of i have re-uploaded them oh okay. so the stories the stories will live on forever perfect because really your journey is told through the stories and and there would be a lot of stories every day um yes. of the ongoing adventure that was you know ice age trail in winter yeah yes i also did not know that woohoo was gonna become my tagline <laughs> it definitely did i've some mornings i wake up and i'm like man maybe i should just do a video just for kicks and giggles <laughs> just, just because it's just funny you have no idea how many people have messaged me or sent me letters handwritten letters that say woohoo in them <laughs> it is it's unreal <laughs> so Whatever. is that become Fine. your trail name now no i so i <laughs> i hope not oh my gosh please don't put that in the universe <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> I guess it could be. You don't really get to choose your trail name, right? Not so much. Yeah. So I've never, um, I've never been given a trail name before. Mostly because I solo hike, and mostly because I hike in strange seasons when nobody mm-hmm. else is usually out. Um, and our trail culture over here, um, I don't even know if people know to give trail names in Minnesota. Our trail, <laughs> cult- our trail culture is not like it is about you guys. Yeah. Um, Trail names are everything. I know. Well, trust me. I wish I had one. I'll get one one day. Yes. Someday. I'm sure I'll, I'll finally do a hike that has many people on it. <laughs> at some time of year that has a few at least. Yeah. But you were getting through the social media, through Emily Andreal, you had people that started following you and they started leaving things for you on trail. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, whether that was water or treats or that kind of thing. Yes. And socks. And socks. Gotta love the socks. 
Yes, 100%. There was one one night I counted all the socks I had in my in my clothes bag and I had seven pairs of socks with me. Seven. That's four more than I usually would have. And that's just because people were concerned about your toes? <laughs> I guess so. They leave me socks and hand warmers, which is totally fine because they were good pairs like smart wools. Smart mm-hmm. wools, fits, they were great. I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is like a hundred dollars worth of socks here. This is awesome. <laughs> Where was the first time that that happened? Not necessarily just the socks, but that you came across a trailhead or whatever. And there's like something sitting there for you specifically. The first one I remember is at Laugham's peak. Um, where, oh God, what town is that in? Delafield down by Delafield in the South. Oh, that's not true. Well, that was the first time that was somebody that, um, I didn't, I didn't ever meet. Um, I met somebody on the trail in the kettles and this is where things, this is where things got, cause this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> People were getting ready for this crazy trail race, um, through the kettles, but really hilly trail race. Um, and this woman stopped. I cannot remember her name to save my life. And she's like, she's like, how's it going? And I'm like, good. And I'm like, I'm through hiking the ice age shell. She says, oh, I know. And I was like, uh-huh. She had started following my Instagram. And she's like, do you need anything? And she finished her run and dropped me off water, like two trailheads up. And it was awesome. Because as much as it's, it's like being, uh, it's like being on the ocean, you know, there's water everywhere, but it's none of it's drinkable. So, you know, snow is just like, you want to drink it. You want to eat it so bad, but you got to boil it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So that was awesome. Yeah. But at Laugh and Peak, somebody left me like socks and treats for Diggins and snacks for me and all of this stuff. Yeah. And like lots of letters about people's lives. I got lots of letters about people. Yeah. That, that they were just leaving for you on the trail. Not necessarily just, I, I, only, I can only imagine how many DMs you got through social media. Yes. Also it. that. But <laughs> Yeah. No, like letters. Yes. They'd leave me trail magic. And then they would like tell me like a page or two, like handwritten about like how the trail, like how the story impacted their lives, which was nuts. It's crazy. Did it feel a little bit like you were carrying people's hopes and dreams with you? (laughs) Towards the end a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, cause another thing is like uh, a lot of people ask, like, did you ever have a moment where uh, you thought to give up or quit. And my answer is always no. Like, cause in the beginning, like I was so excited in the beginning. So there was no, you know, you had that like brand new eyes for a brand new trail and nothing can stay. You're unstoppable. Yeah. Um, and then towards the middle, more people started, you know, coming on, you know, coming on to this trip, uh, you know, virtually I was like, cool. But then like elementary schools started reaching out to me. So I stopped at two elementary schools. And like towards the end of it, we were just having the crummiest day post-holing all day long. And I was so tired. And I was like, Diggins, don't let me stop hiking. We have to make it to the little kids at the elementary school. We gotta be there for the kids. And just like, just like footstep to footstep. And I it was probably way more dramatic in my head than it actually was in real life. Because Diggins was like, whatever, man, we're just hiking. Um, <laughs> but the snow was deep. Um, so yeah, definitely helped me push through things knowing that people were. I don't know, receiving hope and joy and all other good things from this trip too. Did you make it there for the kids at the? Sure, sure did. <laughs> we hiked stinking hard to get there too. <laughs> Absolutely. And were they excited to see you? Oh my gosh. It was nuts. These teachers, look, teachers 
I know they already don't get enough clout, but like these teachers were awesome. They had them like set up in their little pods. It was like 200 kids and there's like little pods. And I would just go by and like wave to them and talk to them real quick and then move on to the next pod. It was the coolest thing ever. And then they like some outdoor classroom where I like stocked, I didn't stock them. There's an outdoor classroom where I like talked to the fourth graders for a little bit and they asked me a bunch of questions. I'm like, this is so cool. How could that be like fourth grade? Like fourth grade is pretty, you can, you can usually remember fourth grade like tidbits of fourth grade, right? Like I definitely remember my fourth grade teacher and like, how cool would that be to have like some backpacker come through and like chat with you? That'd be cool, man. You could have with that talk, you could have set somebody on a path um, that they would not have necessarily contemplated before, but they saw you doing it. Oh yeah. I hope so. Cause what are you like fourth grade, 10 years old? Yeah. Nine, 10. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hope so. I hope so. That'd be cool. Was that the same middle school? No, this was elementary. So was there another middle school that also, uh, maybe you didn't talk to them directly, but they had left some stuff for you or something. Cause you were saying about one of them, one of the middle schoolers gave you some tough love. That was in Lodi. Yeah. What did they, <laughs> yeah, this little kid's like uh, written on a, on a uh, construction paper. They're like, Wow. you have to finish this hike yourself because nobody's going to hike it for you. Yep. <laughs> Something like that. I was like, all right, little kid. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. Okay. I see you. <laughs> I hear you. We're going. Yeah. I'm cruising, I guess, because nobody else is going to do it for me, I guess. <laughs> yep. Now, when you started, you had a sled with you. I did. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I, I'm glad I brought it. You know, because I'm glad I brought it and I'm glad I set up the system that I did for how I did my box drops, right? Because it gave me a chance to really um, figure out my gear without having to figure out shipping stuff home, right? So what Um, did you do or how did you do that? Which part? The You said the box drops and then the set, yeah. Yeah, so before I even left, um, I just threw up a Facebook post like, hey, anybody want to help me out this trip? Blah, blah, blah. Takes you driving across Wisconsin potentially many, many hours and nine people, I chose nine people to do that. Um, and so in each box I'd have like new socks, new underwear, new food for me, food for diggins. Um, and then some of the boxes I would put like fuel canisters and stuff like that. So it would be, I, I knew what I was going to get. Um, and then that means I could also send home anything I didn't need, but wanted to keep, you know, at home here. Um, and that was super awesome. So they would meet me, um, usually at a place that I was staying, um, I tried to set it up so people could meet me at like, I would contact people before I left um, in Wisconsin to see if I could stay on their property. Um, so people could meet me there and do the exchange. It was super nice. It was luxurious actually come to think of it. Cause I've read stories of people like on the PCT and they've tried to ship something uh, to the post office and like if I doesn't get there on time or like it got there and they did something else with it or what, like there's something goofy and like with COVID especially our mail system here was so goofy for yeah. a, a long while and I was like if something is going to happen again and like the mail gets cut again like I don't want to risk that anyway so I did have a sled in the beginning um and it was awesome it was awesome on the flats um I had a little convertible bottom. So I had wheels on the bottom. I could flip up in the snow so they could be a sled. 
look, I thought about this before I left. So I knew there was a bunch totally. of walking. <laughs> um, and in that I had like my food, I had my heavy coat, I had my snowshoes, I had my fuel canister, I had my tent. So like my backpack was super light at that time. And it was awesome. But um, it just became too hilly and it just didn't become worth it anymore. And I'm glad I ditched it. Um, but, you know, if somebody's taking a winter, you know, if somebody's taking like a winter trip and they're skiing or, you know, it's flat-ish and there's a few hills or whatever, um, totally bring a Polk, man. Because you can bring so much more gear. It's a lot easier for a sled to be on top of the snow. Yeah. Um, then, you know, and they're easy to build. You don't have to buy one. You know, Did you just you need build yours. Kid, yeah, I built mine. You just need a kid sled, some PVC, um, some P cord, and some bungee cords, and some carabiners to clip it to your backpack. And there's tons of how tos online. The yeah. most expensive part is probably the kid sled. Depends on how expensive of a kid sled you're going to buy. You know? How styling do you need to go? That's right. <laughs> and there's yeah, there's varying types of sleds and, and such, but. Yeah, I would recommend bringing it in the winter time. But then all of that stuff had to go onto your back. Sure did. It <laughs> sure did. It sure did. So thankfully, the the person that the, the person that witnessed me uh, doing that transfer of all the stuff from the pulp to the sled was my former boss, and uh, so she's seen me through. And we worked hand in hand together. It was she, you know she and myself who worked together as a crew. She's a climbing arborist. Um, and so she was just sitting there watching me contemplate how heavy my pack was going to be. And I put it on and I was like, oh my God. She's like, how does it feel? And just in her chipper manner, I was like, this is so heavy. She's like, ah, you'll be fine. <laughs> Your body will adjust. And I was like, God, Louise, it's a very Louise thing to say. <laughs> it, you, I believe you said somewhere that it ended up being about 60 pounds. 60, 65. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're getting it from the top because it's pulling, it, you've got the weight and it's pulling you down. And then you've got to uh, get through the snow, which luckily, you know, Diggins was kind of breaking trail for you. But then you've got the the struggle from the bottom as well. It's like, yes. Well, yeah. Well, especially like with post pulling through crusty snow, right? So, like if it's fluffy snow, you can kind of like kick your way through it and it's not too big of a deal. And you're only yeah. you're breaking through to the same level like every time. But with the snow that has like a double crust on it, right? You just never know when your foot's going to be done sinking. And when you weigh so much, so like I weigh 180 pounds plus 60 pounds, that's not really a light situation. And Diggins like could walk on top of that <laughs> snow. So she wasn't breaking it because she, you know, by that yeah. time she was definitely 40 pounds because she was a skinny kid at that time. So here she's just trotting along on top of the snow. And I'm just like, like the whole time. And I'm just like, get me out of here. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> How well marked is the Ice Age Trail? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> oh, the memories. <laughs> the memories are flooding back. Well, because here's the thing. Well, so all the road walking is unmarked. So it's the road walks are suggested routes. <clears throat> so they're not marked yet. So you have 500 miles of unmarked trail. Trail. And then for each of the segments, different counties have different chapters. So uh, it's not that it's not well blazed because it's, it's decently well blazed, especially once you kind of get the, the look for, you know, what to look for. But 
sometimes each county has different blazes or like blazes differently. How do I explain it? Sometimes they would just use like a yellow stripe on the tree. Sometimes they would use the snow, snowmobiling diamonds or like the ski diamonds and they'd be yellow. Sometimes those ski diamonds were so old, they were just silver again. So you would never know what you're looking for. Sometimes they would use the mammoth. The mammoth is like their mascot, right? Sometimes it'd be a mammoth blaze. Sometimes they would just paint arrows on the trees, like with <laughs> roadside paint. Like it was, it, it was kind of crazy. So it would just, it was just that it would change throughout. You kind of just had to know what to look for and hope for the best. Did you kind of develop an instinct out there? Of oh when yeah. You were? Oh yeah. I could definitely see like a blaze from like a half mile away. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's up there. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get lost? Yes. <laughs> Once for far too long, like for way too long, because what was also happening at the time is that um, logging, the logging markers were also yellow. So I ended up in this weird area where like there was a yellow blaze off to the side and it looked like someone had walked through, but the trail actually continued to the right. And I'd been all of a sudden I was in this sea of yellow blazes and I was like, oh my gosh, which way do I go? And then I like clicked. I'm like, I'm in a logged area. And these are the places that were left up. But then you had to backtrack, find where you had. Through some deep snow, like <laughs> lower quad high deep snow. So I was a little embarrassed. <laughs> Did it make you be more, more careful, more, more diligent next time? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, remain. yeah, I guess like it definitely made me more aware of like, these are logging blazes. These are trail blazes. But really, I'm telling you, they, it really differs from county to county. So it could have, it could have, it, it very well could have been a blaze. Mm-hmm. But I should have known when I saw a sea of yellow blazes, I should have turned around right away. That was my mistake. That was where Diggins followed the wrong trail. That's where Diggins listened to me. So <laughs> she was she was very good at knowing where the trail was. And then I'd be like, oh no, it's this way. And then she'd be like, okay, whatever. And then like begrudgingly go the way I wanted her to go. And then I'd be like, never mind. You're always right. You're every, every time you're so right. And we would turn back around. A lot of that happened with like the depth of snow because what she would be able to sense, I don't know how she did it. She had like a 10th sense, man. I tell you, because she would be able to sense like where the snow was more packed down, even though it, it looked the same across the top. And then she would go one way, but I think it's this way. And then I'd fall through a foot and a half of snow and she'd just like be walking on air. So <laughs> I tell you that dog. Did she ever, I mean, I'm sure that because she's not human, but, um, but I could imagine in her head, there was more than one time where she was just like looking at you going, come on. Yes. Like she, like she, we'd be walking and then like, then she'd like turn her head and be like, and then like turn and like, just, yeah. She like gave me this look of like, why? Just why? <laughs> like, because I'm a silly human diggings. That's why. All right. Uh, I would spend a lot of our days um, just to pass the time overly trying to over explain humanity to diggings and why people are the way they are <laughs> versus why, you know, versus why don't we go with our instincts like she does? Mm-hmm. And why do we make decisions? I would just try to over-explain it to her as much as I could. We got very philosophical on the trail. (laughs) There was a lot of time. There was so much time. (laughs) Did did you hike with anybody at any point along the way? 
or was it pretty much just exclusively the two of you? Yeah, I mean, people would catch up with us. Um, the longest somebody hiked with us, there was one woman, Tara, and she um, decided to camp out with us one night um, and then hiked. I think she hiked like 16 miles, but it was pretty much all road walking. Okay. Yeah. And then like here and there, people would pick up a mile just to like chit chat and whatever. And road miles, people would pick up a few more with us on, but most of the time it's just alone. I have this, speaking of Wilson, I have this, this image in my head of Forrest Gump as he's going running across the country and people are running with him a little bit or standing on the side of the road, yelling for him. You are the, uh, second person to bring up that third person to bring up that image. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I try to be as respectful because, so there was definitely a line and, and this is, I know that not all my hikes will be so um, well attended, let's say maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that came across my mind of like, these people are so excited for this thing that, to happen. And, and I want to do my hike and I need to finish it. Right. It's like, I need to get home but I don't want to stifle what they're experiencing also because I can experience what I'm experiencing alone in my own head and in my own world, but I don't want to stifle the, what they want to be a part of too. You know? So when people would come and visit, I would happily greet them. You know, I saw like, as you were posting, as you were getting close to the end, you posted, uh, I'm going to call it boundaries, but some rules, some rules of engagement. Yes. Um, which seemed to be a lot about taking care of Diggins as much as anything else. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have a question in there also? Well, I guess my, my question was just if you can kind of clarify that for the people who are listening. For sure. Because um, it made a lot of sense when I was reading them. But Yes. I think I started out that post with, I know rules. <laughs> I know rules are hard to like adhere by when you're so excited, but please you know, follow them. So one of the things that I experienced on the trail is that I didn't use Strava and I didn't use any other tracking app. So Strava, lots of trail runners, lots of skiers use Strava, right? Um, it's an excellent app, but I just didn't feel like I wanted people to know where I was all the time for various of reasons that don't need to be discussed here. I think they're pretty yeah. common sense. Sensical. Yeah. Um, so people would message my family and ask them if they knew where my location was while I was on the trail. And I think that was a boundary that was crossed many times. And I didn't know how to articulate that while I was on the trail. So I never made a post about that. Um, and I would just tell my family, just don't respond. Don't engage with people because you know they shouldn't be messaging you. And I knew that when I got closer to the end that, and when I finished that people would be so excited and they would want to bring their dogs so I could meet their dogs. They would want their dogs to meet Diggins. They would want me to meet, you know, their entire family. And the parking lot where I finished was very small. It could hold maybe about, what, 10, 12 cars. So, you know, please don't fight each other there. Like, don't yell at people. Because when, when people get so excited about an event, all of a sudden their common sense goes out the window. And here's yeah. the reason why I know that is because I work at a tourist trap. 100%. Glenshin, when people come to Glenshin, it's remarkable. And I know that people wouldn't necessarily do the things they do there. They touch so many things they're not supposed to touch. They pick flowers they're not supposed to pick. And I know in their mind, they know they're not supposed to do that, but they left all of that at the car, right? (laughs) 
Yeah. So understanding humanity and humans in that way, I was like, you know, we're just going to create some boundaries. And I feel like you all love me enough to listen to those boundaries. And it went swimmingly. Um, nobody else brought their dog um, that I saw. Um, people were very kind to my family. They were very kind to each other, as far as I know. Um, and it, it, yeah, it went off with nearly without a hitch. So it was a good thing to put that out. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to know. Everybody ex- Go. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to know any other way. And, and it's just yeah. good. Right. It's so funny that like, as we become adults, right. People just think that we don't need to be told rules anymore. Or like, we don't need to be told boundaries anymore. Like people, like we forget that we as adults need boundaries still. Yeah. Um, and we don't own really, we don't really own these spaces. These spaces again are for everybody. And so it's just, it's just nice to have boundaries and give people boundaries and have something to point to, right. To be like, I, these are, these are the things that I said and you're not following them. So it's easier to tell a park ranger than if something incident is happening, be like, they know better than this park yeah. ranger. Will you please remove this person? You know, because adults still need boundaries and rules. Yeah. <laughs> also get carried away. <laughs> it needs to be clear. Very clear. Yeah. Just like it does for kids. We're just, look, You've seen like a kid at Legoland. Oh, I don't know if you guys have Legoland where you live. Yeah. Like you've seen Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. Any crazy place. Ah, we're all, we all we're experiencing joy and excitement. We all forget common sense. Yeah. Totally true. Which is totally fine, mm-hmm. but not always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had just spent 68 days essentially out on a trail. Yeah. Has that really hit you yet? Oh yes. As soon as I got <laughs> as soon as I got home. My first week back was very hard. Very, very hard. Like because my body wasn't moving every day anymore. Mm-hmm. And now my muscles are just tight. <laughs> it's like sitting at work all day. I'm I'm taking a, a pro development class um, for work. So I'm sitting at a computer all day. Every time I stand up, I'm like, <laughs> a little tight here in the knees. Um but like just mentally, I could feel that a roof was over my head. I don't know how to describe that. But like I could feel that I wasn't out in the sun as much as I was. And that was really hard. Um, and there's a lot of people that exist in the world. And I forgot that. <laughs> and to be honest, like I really, I'm, I still miss Diggins quite a bit, you know, and that was really hard. Like I, you know, I have a great partner. I have a great dog myself. Mm-hmm. But there's like a weird bond between me and Diggins for the rest of my life that will never be replaced by anything else. And that sucked hard. Uh, I, yeah. I have called Zulu is my dog. I have called him Diggins so many times since I've been back home. So many times. Uh, it's shameful <laughs> to say the least. It doesn't help that they're both black. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So now things are a little bit better. I've been you know, I took little short hikes and stuff. I was really resentful towards my truck when I got home. Like I didn't want to drive it at all. It was a weird relationship thing between me and my truck. I like, didn't want to get in it. I just wanted to walk everywhere. Um, and, uh, I'm over that now because I, I drive to work, but for some reason, this trip gave me like a different perspective on driving and every, I don't know, so many weird things happened in the brain on this trip. <laughs> a lot of time alone. <laughs> a lot of time alone. A lot of time to think. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, all good, mostly all good things I'd say. With all of that time, I mean, because a lot of times when I'm talking to people who have done the trail, you know, they've done the three main trails or, you know, there are people around. Yes. Um, and so a lot of their experience is colored by the people that they hiked with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for your hike, yes, it's colored by the people that you met along the way, but it was very much about you and Diggins out there. Yes. Um, how, how did that color your hike? I mean, how, I'm not even sure if I'm asking the question the right way, but being that long in your head, that many days <laughs> in your head, um, even if you were talking with Diggins a lot of the time, um, how did that impact where you, where you came to at the end, by the end of the hike? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. So I think, um, well, well, I think several things happened because even though I saw a lot of people, um, you know, loneliness, uh, kind of manifests in different ways from different situations. Right. Um, and I think there's like a form of loneliness where you are seeing people every day, but a, you, you don't see them. They only, they're only there for five minutes and then they're gone. And then you're probably to never see them again. So that's, that's kind of like what I experienced through the trip. And then you, you know, you go to bed with just yourself every night with nobody around and no social media. Cause I didn't really have my phone on much. Um, so to even have like virtual people to mm-hmm. see. And then I, I think that every hiker has this opportunity to um, contend with themselves on the trail, but you have to choose it. Right. You can distract yourself with other thoughts. If you, if you so choose. Right. Um, but I chose not to, and I, I really wanted to take the time on the trail to walk through like sticky points in my life or like I needed to insert more like forgiveness and insert more like grace and like forgive myself as like, you know, being a younger human, you know, like it's a whole long story of like, <laughs> just, you know, who, how I've become who I am. And it wasn't pretty the whole way through you know? And so coming to those points and like allowing those emotions to come through and being angry on the trail and being sad and like talking through those moments and yeah, getting to that point, coming face to face with like how I've become the way I've become. Um, and I've, I think it's really good because then what happens after that is I get to know myself even more. Right. Not, not that I don't think people know who they are, but I, I think, I think there's a lot of things you don't know about yourself until you're alone. Um, and you can either find yourself extremely annoying <laughs> or you can find yourself cool. Or you can find yourself whatever. Um, and now there's like that part of me that's just a little bit less fractaled, I guess, like a little bit more whole, you know what I mean? Um, and then when I encounter other people in the real world, when I hear their stories, which I love, it gives me an opportunity to like see them with more wholesome eyes, mm. I guess, because I, I kind of know where I'm coming from. I'm a little bit more centered on, on who I am, um, who I am without the influence of the outside world, you know? Yeah. So, cause you know, I spent so many days without like scrolling and anytime I would meet, anytime I'd see somebody, um, 
kind of around the inauguration time and kind of all of that crazy stuff that was happening. Anytime I'd see somebody, they'd be like, have you heard what happened in the news? And we love to you know, tell each other what's, we love to inflate the news as much as we can, right? And we always have a sense that we communicate, we're human beings. Um, and we love to tell the story. Um, but I'd respond with like, I have no idea what you're talking about because I my phone is off, <laughs> you know? So it was nice to kind of come back to center of who I was or who I am. Um, kind of without the pressure and presence of the outside world. Did you come to a more holistic understanding, I guess, at the end of the trail? Yeah. Yeah. And then just like being able to see, and I've, I've usually, I've been pretty good in my life to kind of see people and, and not quickly judge them right off the go. Um, But it's given me even more like tendencies leaning towards like having grace for folks who are so different than I am um, because there's a lot of people in Wisconsin who are very different than I am, especially along the trail. Um, and kind of giving them that, um, lending them that. Yeah. That grace, as you yeah. say. Yeah. There is going to be a documentary done on this trail, right? Or on your hike, right? Yes, there is. Yes. Do we, do we know oh, when oh, it's coming oh, out? Breaking trail. Um, I have homework to do. But I, need, <laughs> I need to give. I need to get Jesse a few things. Uh, um, he he wants access to my daily videos um, for that. Sure. So that's what I'm working on after this. Um, but I don't know when. Hopefully, sometime this spring, maybe that'd be really cool. I'm excited to see it. He has some really cool shots from it, um, and it was really fun. I I almost said no to it because I was like. I don't know, man, that's kind of weird, I guess. And that was before I understood the impact, I think, of this of this trip. When did um, it get set up? Sorry, and I, I should say that it's going right. to be called Breaking Trail. It is going to be called Breaking Trail, yes. Um, so let's see, I was in Rush Halt when I was, so I'm trying to think of where I am on the map. That was after the verification, I think. So I was a little under halfway. Okay. Right? I think um, so. He caught the tr- the end of the half, second half of the trip, um, and he found me on Instagram. He and his wife, and um, yeah, they asked and kind of walked me through what they think it was going to look like or thought it was going to look like, and um, told me a little bit more about themselves. And I was like, "All right, here we go. I guess so. This we're going to do this, right? Like think about things you like to do, right? And what if somebody like just asked you to like." make a documentary on, on your life. <laughs> I, I laugh about it. Cause like, it's just so funny to me <laughs> it's still, because in my mind, right. I'm just, I'm still just me. Right. Like I'm just the same person that like bopping along gardening every day, then hiking and a little bit of whatever. And it's just so funny that people would want to watch a documentary on me walking through the woods, <laughs> you know? So I'm excited. Um, and hopefully it'll become less weird once it's out. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get over it. Well, you said you had started this by saying that that you initially were going to say no, or you that was your first inclination to was to say no, right? Because I well, because when it was proposed to me, I was like, I don't want to have a film crew follow me around day and night. Like that sounds terrible. And he didn't. He was super. He was super awesome about it. We met up a handful of times only. Um, just because it's just going to be a short, it's not going to be like a series documentary. Um, 
yeah, and he was super kind and super, you know, gracious about it. Um, and I was like, great. I just didn't want anything to like impede on my solo hike, you know, cause like when you see, um, like reality TV shows about like people in the wilderness <laughs> and you're like, you're like, you're like, dude, there's a camera person right there. You're How probably... alone are you really? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you're probably not going to die because I can't have that liability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not that like i'm seeking adventure to where i'm <laughs> gonna die but you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> More like the camera makes it look much scarier than it potentially was in that moment and then you add some some sound and some music and yeah absolutely. you got the whole thing yeah yeah so i'm excited i'm excited to see it when it comes out me too i think it's gonna be weird to watch myself on a screen and all my family members <laughs> Well, I wonder how much, because I I have a feeling, you know, 69 days is a long enough time to sort of remember, but forget, like you say, the rose colored glasses and so forth, like everything that's happened over the last two months, essentially. Um, And having him put it together will remind you of things that you've forgotten moments that were a lot harder than you remember them to be potentially. Yes. Yeah. And so that, that's also where my idea for doing the daily morning videos came from. Right. Um, Cause I became a terrible journal. I used to be such a good journaler when I was in college, <laughs> I could journal for like hours on this trail. I would write like four lines and I was like, good enough. <laughs> this was the weather today. This is how far we hiked. I'm tired and hungry. Like <laughs> just toss it, you know, in the bag. So I'm glad I did all those um, morning uh, videos because I think it'll help me remember a lot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure it will. I mean, I'm sure that looking back on those videos will almost like flash it into your mind. Yeah. Kind of a thing like that exact moment. You probably almost even smell and feel like what that day was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I have a feeling I'm going to cry during most of it when I watch it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how would you tell if, if somebody else came to you and said, okay, I want to do this. I want to do what you did. The ice age trail in the winter. What would you tell them? to be a, be careful of or what would you tell them that they should do to make sure that they do it successfully yeah i would be so excited if somebody else picked this up in the winter um the biggest thing i would tell people is so if they're from the midwest i would have a lot less or if they're like in you in like into mountaineering or if they're like into you know if they've experienced mm-hmm. our weather here um i would you know be a little bit more comfortable being like oh yeah for sure um, cause you've experienced the weather here. Um, cause man, the Midwest weather is even different than mountain weather. I don't, you, it's so different. Yeah. It's just different. Um, I so would versus say the weather. Well, because I would say, I would say, have a plan, have a plan, um, have a couple experiences. If you, if so, okay. In this scenario, because there's so many different types of backpackers out there in this scenario, yeah. this person has like, gone winter camping or like has slept outside at least one night in the winter in this, in my mind. So this is not, you know, a green person that's never slept Mm -hmm. outside in the winter before. So I would tell them, you know, 
have a plan, um, have an itinerary. Um, and I say that because going through those miles, like in the book, they have a lot of like atlases and maps and stuff like that, but like going through those, going through all 1200 miles multiple times to get my itinerary down, got my brain ready for how long it was going to take me to finish. That makes sense. So I had to visualize it over and over and over again as I changed my itinerary and whatnot. Um, So do that, have a plan and then get ready to be extremely flexible with that plan. Um, I was, I had a weird injury my first week. So like my entire itinerary got kicked off um, after my first week, everything was goofy after that. So be ready to be flexible. Um, Be ready for the mental game because you're probably, you're, you're probably going to be fine in all other aspects because you bought all the gear you need to buy. You watched YouTube videos, you whatever, but it, now it's going to be you and yourself out there and there's no gear you can buy for that. You have to do that work. You know what I mean? So yeah, having experienced the weather, have a plan, the mental game. Those are probably the three top ones because everything else you can pretty much find on YouTube. You know, right. yeah. you can find in forums and stuff like that. If you were, if you were wanting to get out into like winter adventuring and whatever, I'm hoping that these folks have like, you know, at least bought a book on um, winter camping or like Alpinist, like mm-hmm. I've read Alpinist books or something like that. You know, I definitely have a book called winter camping. It's from like 1980. <laughs> I love, it's so fun to read. It's still very valuable, but the gear just doesn't really make sense anymore. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah um yeah and don't be afraid to borrow his stuff if this is your if this is if you think this is gonna be a one-time thing if this is gonna be a one-off don't be afraid to borrow stuff that people around you have and don't be afraid to ask for help i think that's a huge one <laughs> don't let your ego become the monster that destroys you on the trip yeah. which if i'm remembering your kind of your quote relating to that first week and your knees and that kind of stuff, maybe ego would be going a little too far, but, but it was a challenge for you to, to change up what your plan had been versus what your body was actually telling you it needed. Oh yeah. And that got me kicked to the side of the road with my thumb out. Like my knee had, my knee had, my tolerance for pain is pretty high and I have never felt something like that in my knees before. And, um, I finally got to a point where I just called Diggins back and I was like, we're just going to sit at this corner of this County road. I put my hood up. I leaned against my backpack and I had to pull at that time. So I like put my leg up on the sled and I had Diggins crawl between my legs and snuggle up. I put my hood up and I just sat there and I was like devastated. Cause it was day six. Right. And I just, I wasn't listening to my body at all. And, um, I was on this weird County road and like, thankfully this family like took pity on me and came back around and picked me up. But there weren't very many cars on that County road at all. Yeah. Don't, it's just not worth it. Right. Because like, what do you, what are you, what are you going to, what are you going to tell your, you know, what are you going to tell people, Oh, I, I didn't finish this trail because I, I don't know. I became my own, you know, worst enemy and thought I was going to be a badass and like push through everything. Silly. <laughs> that's, that's just like when I look back reflecting, when I say like, I wish I would have stayed outside more, mm-hmm. like 
sure. I wish I would have stayed outside more, but I also love having 10 fingers and 10 toes. Those are very helpful. You know, like I love, I love having healthy lungs. You know, I love that I didn't have to bring back a damaged dog. So there's definitely those boundaries with yourself and you will, you will learn that. And that's the other thing is when people are like, weren't you cold outside? Like, yes, I was cold outside. Like nature is the great equalizer, 100%. So you got to listen to what you, you got to communicate with what is happening with you out there and listen. If you don't listen, she'll tell you something different. <laughs> like mother nature always wins <laughs> every time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So going, you know, going in kind of just with that type of mindset, you know, but then just be excited for it. You know, why are you doing it? Why are you hiking? Like, are you, are you hiking? Cause you just really love it. Fantastic. Go for it, man. Being six days in and having your knees feeling like that. I mean, at that point you still had the sled with you. So you didn't even have the 60 pounds on your back yet. Mm-mm. Did that give you concern? Well, I couldn't figure out why it was happening. Um, and it turned, I, I'm pretty sure it turned out to be the road walking and having Diggins pull me on the road walks because there's a lot of road walks in the beginning. And instead of, you know, with your normal stepping, right. Or if you're running for like Canada cross, well, maybe not. So with, with your normal stepping with nothing pulling you, um, you, you step like, you know, like heel to toe or like, you know, mid foot, yeah. like it's an easy rolling situation. But when something is pulling you, like having a dog pull you ahead of you, you're stopping her movement the whole way through. So my quads were working extra hard. It was like I was going downhill all the time, even though I was on flatlands. Um, and so my quads were just pulling on my patellar tendons just too much. Um, and, you know, I had done a bunch of road walks up here, but not with Diggins because she was back home. So it was a new muscle. It was like a new muscle build for my body. Yeah. Right. You, you, made, you made mention that, you know, your, your goal for this hike was 70 days. And that part of the benefit to having Diggins with you, she is a sled dog. She does pull as that, that pulling because she would be hooked to you um, would to some extent, keep you on track. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a pretty fast hiker, but sometimes like if you're daydreaming, (laughs) um, you can really slow down. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) And having her in front was like a good reminder. Like we had just had to keep going. Yeah. Did there ever get a time out there where you were literally thinking about getting off trail? No, I don't think so. Not that I remember. I would like be exhausted and like just fall to my knees in the snow and then just like hug Diggins for a little while and just like take several deep breaths and like just try to a lot of good, like a lot of self-talk had, had to happen and a lot of good self-talk had to happen. So just like hugging Diggins and being like, you got this, like you're strong, you're capable. Also, you don't have a choice. If you stay here, you can freeze, <laughs> like, you know, talking myself up and then telling myself reality, <laughs> like we are on a hillside, we can't sleep here, <laughs> you know, um, and then getting back up and pushing again. Yeah. Speaking of, of, uh, Keeping going. I think you were saying that you were trying to pack yourself about 4,000 calories a day mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Now, was I, was I wrong in assuming, because I saw you created little baggies for it. And was each baggie basically the 4,000 calories? Oh, no way. Okay. No, no, no. That's just like what I picked at through the day pretty much. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah, and actually what ended up happening because um, a lot of so many people left me trail magic that I was pretty, I, mean, I lost weight on the trail, but that's going to happen. But so many people left me stuff that I could start to rely on kind of what they left me, which was really awesome. Nice. Remarkably. So a lot of trail magic happened a lot. Like, a lot. <laughs> I don't want to say too much, but it was a lot. Yep. <laughs> Everybody wanted to be a part of it. Yes, they did. <laughs> Um, how many zero days did you take out there? It took three. I, <laughs> here's another recommendation to this future person <laughs> that's going to do this trip. Dear future hiker. Dear future winter through hiker of the Ice Age Trail. Allot yourself more for zero days. Mm. I was dumb. I'm going to call out my past self and say, past Emily was stupid. I had one zero day planned. Really? Why? Not, Just because not, you were... I'm not proud. I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking. I have no idea what I was thinking. I have no clue. <laughs> was there a reason that you had to be done in exactly 70 days or? Well, I did just so I could get back to work. Mm. But. <laughs> I, I, I'm speechless. I don't know what I was thinking. Because here's the thing. So Mike Summers did it before me. And he finished it in, in 59 days and he took five, like five or six zero days. He's like, you know, he's from out West. And like, I'm sure he knew, he knew, you know, long distance hiking culture much better than I did. And like, I don't know why I didn't look at his schedule and be like, yeah, I should also take five zero days. Cause that he seems like a smart man. Nope. One. And it wasn't even like you were trying to make faster than him or faster no. than somebody else. There's literally no explanation. Because you were the first, first woman. I, but I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I have no idea why I thought I wouldn't need more rest. I don't know, man. Probably because I'm terrible at resting. So, so we just got, my partner's just right over here and confirmed she, that. She's laughing. And um, we just got done. We just came back from a little weekend. And like, Flo was like enjoying the fire and like, made dinner and just like enjoying things. I'm just like buzzing around the campsite, like just doing stuff literally for no reason, just to have something to do the whole time. And, and Flo was like, is this why you like backpacking? Cause there's always something to do. And I said, yep, <laughs> I think so. I'm just terrible at resting. Whatever. I but like I said, again, and you know what though, but like the natural world will always win out mm -hmm. every time. So there's that. If if you don't want to, she will make you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And all of our ancestors knew that. That's the thing. Here's the thing that's been, I think, lost from all of our ancestors. No matter where you come from, because there was a point in time where your ancestors, my ancestors were all stuck outside, right? Mm -hmm. They knew the ways of Mother Nature. They knew the ebbs and flows and how unpredictable she could be. Somehow, when we became in this technologically savvy world, we have forgotten <laughs> and we think we're so cool and that we can beat her out somehow. You know, <laughs> it's not the case. Not the case. You, you fling yourself back out into the middle of the wilderness and she's like, oh, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some fun. Let's have a good time together. huh? <laughs> like all of your ancestors are just standing around you like you have no idea what you've just done. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I could just picture my ancestors standing because my ancestors are Norwegian. Oh yes, and I could just picture my ancestors going, 
Oh, child. <laughs> this is going to be bad. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All the Norse people, right? All the Norse people have been like, come on. <laughs> you got the jeans. Come on, use them. Right. Right. Like, there's probably some cobwebs. Probably some yep. cobwebs, but dig them out. We gave them to you. <laughs> they're very yep. faint, but they're there. <laughs> Precisely. What was your toughest, most challenging moment on trail? Yeah. Um, post-holing. And mm. it, was, it was just the mental part. Because we've all post-holed and whatever. Um, but it wasn't the post holding that was difficult. It was that I ended up going like a half mile an hour for some of these moments. And as a through hiker, your, your goal is really not to lollygag. I mean, I'm not trying to set, you know, the FKT for this thing clearly, but you don't want to just lollygag and it's the middle of winter. You want to get to where you can put down your house. And those were the, that those were the most miserable. And I had some back to back to back days of just like where I'd have long sections. The whole day wouldn't be post-holing, but it would just be long sections of having to post-hole. And I would just, I would like look at my watch and then see the time and then look at my map and see how little I had accomplished for the day. And I'd, and I'd be in the middle of the woods and there'd be nobody around, right? Yeah. Again, lots of self-talk had to happen. Lots of like picking myself up and going forward. Did that come naturally? The mm-hmm. self-talk? There was the positive yeah. self-talk. There's there was no room for there was no room for any negative self-talk. Silly negative self-talk, yes. Because uh, we all have to be realistic with ourselves, right? But there was I didn't have any room in my mind for like telling myself that I was not gonna make it on this trip. There was just no room for that. No. So what was your go-to self-talk? <laughs> uh just uh what was what was i had like came up with a mantra of like um this may feel difficult but it's not impossible lots of that because it did feel difficult but it's not it's not impossible to walk through the snow with 65 pounds on your back in negative whatever weather (laughs) 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 and this won't last forever that was the other thing this won't last forever yeah and when it would come towards the end of our day, I would tell Diggins, but mostly telling myself, um, you're closer, you're closer to your endpoint. This is the closest you've ever been to your endpoint this entire trip. It's the closest you've ever been. Which is kind of patronizing yourself, but whatever. You know, like you gotta get through with the things. And just like you're str- like you're strong, your body can do this. Like you you can feel your muscles working. There's a lot of like a lot of simple you got this talk, you know. And sometimes just like sitting, sometimes just sitting down and like taking a second really helped. I would just throw my pack down and start munching on some food. Cause that was the other thing is just like, man, eat it. Gosh, darn Snickers, like sit down and eat a <laughs> Snickers, man. Cause that's, that's one of the things like when like not so awesome self-talk would come in, it's usually cause I was hungry. And that's how I've always been. I was such a good kid growing up. Like I was a good little kid. I would turn into a little terror as soon as I got hungry though. And that's, you know. I think also my partner could attest to that too, that I'm usually pretty good unless I'm hungry. <laughs> You're like the perfect Snickers commercial. I, I am a walking Snickers commercial. 100%. <laughs> Snickers, if you're listening. <laughs> We've got an opportunity for you right here. I, I got you covered. A real life situation. <laughs> 
meet me on the ice age trail <laughs> there we go we're going back just for this <laughs> just for this just for a snickers commercial yeah with you doing the positive self-talk and with you you know embracing what you needed in any given moment has that affected or impacted how you walk in the world now I mean I know it's still fairly close but right um I think uh I think this goes back in my history a little bit more but I think there was a point in time where I had to choose positive self-talk um in in my life or else I wouldn't have made it um, I think, you know, we all go through these times uh, and look, I'm not great at it all the time. Look, I have a hired therapist and she's fantastic. So <laughs> like, I definitely, therapy. there's like definitely things I have to still, there's things I have to practice. We all have to practice yeah. um, our positive, our, our self-talk as, as again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, as we get older, we, we like, don't like rules, right? We think that rules are for children. And just as we get older, we think that talking down to ourselves is okay as adults, but you would never let a kid do that. Like if you heard a kid talking to themselves the way that we talk to ourselves, sometimes you'd be like, yo buddy, like what's going on, you know? Um, and so it's something I still definitely have to practice, but there had, there was a turning point in my life where I had to practice it more and realize that that's how I had to go on moving forward. Yeah. And then walk, you know, walk the, walk the talk, walk the walk, walk the talk, Both. whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Both actually. Yeah. So I went into the trip with a pretty healthy mindset. I had to use the skill that I've been practicing for a long time, a lot more on that trip than I do in my normal life, though. <laughs> yes. This was the test to see if you've really got it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all these years. <laughs> all these years. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think, I mean, and a lot of people, and I'm sure because you've read their stories, took away from your walk a lot of things personally for themselves. But I would imagine that one of the things that that some people took away, some little girls took away, was watching this strong, powerful woman go out and do this kind of crazy, kind of amazing thing by herself and and kind of look at that or watch that and be inspired by it. Yeah, I hope so. Um... And, and people have asked me, like, do you, do you feel the impact that you've made? People have asked me that. And I think I, I don't, um, I don't think I quite understand the impact, right? Because look, like social media, like, okay, you could say you have 12,000 followers, but like, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, you know, all people have to do is just hit a follow button. It's not that big of a deal. I think I will, um, although it is crazy that there's that many people following, but <laughs> I think I'll, I will, um, I don't want to minimize that at all. I don't think I'll feel the true impact until some of these little kiddos are a little bit older and can make their own life decisions. So, you know, so I was talking to 10 year olds. So maybe in 10 years from now, maybe I'll get whatever form of a letter is at that time. And they'd be like, you came in my classroom and told me about these things. And I thought it was so cool or, you know, whatever. So I, I decided to fill in the blank here. I think that's when I'll really start to feel the impact and that's okay. That's totally cool, man. Like fruits, you know, planting seeds is, is good enough for me. Yeah. You're a gardener. You understand so much happens under the surface that you just are not aware of until. Yes. 
the pa- the patience game is is very large in the gardening world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's what I hope anyway. I would I would be surprised if it's not or if it hasn't happened. In somebody's in somebody's head at least. Um they saw they saw you doing that thing, that big thing yeah. and had a little shift. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be pretty cool. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that we should? Um, I don't know. We covered so many topics. I think you, I think you definitely asked the widest array of questions. (laughs) I do want to point one thing out though. Um, if you would lift up your left arm, my left arm, your wrist. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure we had the same watch. Oh, we might. We sure do. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awesome. Cause we are on. You're are you out west or east? I'm in west. I'm in LA. Yeah, you are thousands of miles from where I am. Yep. And I was like, I was like, that watch looks oddly familiar, and it's the same one that's on my wrist. Yes. So, well done. <laughs> this is this Timex is uh, is my go-to forever and ever. Same. Absolutely. <laughs> I've broken so many watches in my lifetime, and I always come back. That's <laughs> me too. No, I think I think we've I think we've hit you know. Most of the things I I just like, really, I hope that like people, one of my hopes for after this trip, right. Is I, I I know more people have gotten outside because of this trip um, more frequently, especially in winter for us over Mm -hmm. here. And I don't want that memory to fade for folks. I don't want this to be a new year's resolution for folks. Like I, I hope that there's a, you know, somewhat of a legitimate spark that happened within them to at least look at the outside world differently and, and see the outside world differently. Like maybe even see like branding differently and like see um, like companies differently. Like my whole shtick is like, you don't need the cool things. There's a few key elements you need to do a winter hike that like you should go with not like, sorry, Walmart, but Walmart brands for, yeah, you know, but you don't need to be this rich, wealthy, affluent for probably white person to get outside and do, you know, whatever you can be anybody and that's that's i'm hoping that doesn't fade as time progresses for folks i hope that it that still sticks with them but i also can't control <laughs> the world's population <laughs> yeah well i hope that i hope that people who followed you on this path on this hike on this trail and people who are listening to this podcast and are inspired by what you did I hope that as they get out there into the world, into nature and do their thing and they document it that, I mean, I'm sorry, maybe I'm sorry to wish this on you, but I hope that they take you. I hope they let you know that, that you were something that pushed them out there to do this big, beautiful thing. Yeah. And I would happily, yeah, I would happily welcome that. That's so that's, you know, when I was on, when I talked to Charlie Barron's on his podcast, you know, we talk so much about technology and like, I, I know that technology has become somewhat of a stumbling block for us, but it's, it's just, a, it's such a good tool to connect the world together, yeah. you know, and to get messages out there for the world. And so, yeah, ha- I will happily, happily, probably like whatever they <laughs> put out there. So where should they take you? Where can they find you? They can find me at Emily on trail on Instagram. Perfect. I will. I will be there, <laughs> <laughs> showing them your next uh, your next uh, crazy beautiful adventure. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for that one. Who knows what it's going to be? Even I don't know, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Of course. <laughs> How yeah. could it not be? Yeah. Maybe, maybe with Diggins, maybe without Diggins. That's the real, that's the real kicker, right? Yeah, definitely. When you think of those 69 days on the Ice Age Trail, what is the what is the impression? What is the feeling? What is the memory that comes up for you? Oh, so much joy. Like, and not like um like a sustained, like a sustained, like uh let's see, hold tight. <laughs> <laughs> so even though like I had to wrestle like with the snow and with the weather and whatever, like I really feel a deep contentment that's like paired with joy. Like it just feels right. And that's how I feel when I'm hiking. It just feels right. But since I was out there for so long, it just felt right for 69 days. (laughs) You know, I felt like my place was just there. I knew what my purpose was, you know, I like that. huge thank you to Emily for sharing her stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you want to see our conversation, we now also have a video version of this podcast on our website at hiking-through.com or you can go directly to our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with Michelle Scott about her book, A Hundred Mile Journey Plus a Few Extra, A Pacific Crest Trail Adventure. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. Or, if that's a little too much, maybe pop up with some epic trail magic. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>